Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at, Light, here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you've joined us by live streaming. And these that are in the congregation, we're blessed. Obviously, this, <laughs> this is Palm Sunday. And this is exciting time of the year. Of course, we can celebrate Jesus every day of the year, and we do that. But today is very special. It began the time when Jesus was going into Jerusalem. We're going to talk about it in a minute. And eventually, within a week, he was crucified, and obviously he rose from the dead. He gives us, obviously, a reason for living. And Paul says, if Christ be not risen, then we're dead in our sins. We thank God for that. Amen. I pray that all of you are well. If not, we ask the Lord to heal you. Our God uh, obviously says, come to me, and he will uh, touch you. He, he wants to know you. He knows you, but he wants you to open your heart to him. I pray today that maybe today someone uh, in this place or in listening to this or even in the future may uh, just surrender their heart and say, I need Jesus in my life. So as we begin, let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. It is a special time of the year. Churches all over the world are celebrating this time today, this very moment. They're celebrating today as Jesus made his final embark to Jerusalem to hang on a cross, to be buried in the grave, and to arise from the grave. Lord, we thank you forevermore. Our hearts just say thank you and praise you because of the great gift, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ that you have given us, our Savior, our Lord, our Master. And Father, today we just pray that you would speak to every heart. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We want you here. We've asked that you come and we know you're here. We ask you to work in every heart here in this congregation, but also those who are watching, listening, that, dear God, you would have your way in their hearts because, Lord, we know that we know certainly one day will be that time when you call us home. We'll be with the Lord forever and ever, dear Lord. And we just pray and anticipate that, Lord. But until that time comes, we have ministry. We have, Lord, the good, the wonderful uh, blessing of sharing the good news with other people uh, throughout the world. Thank you for the testimonies we've already heard here today about uh, serving other people. People, We know that Jesus said he, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, and we'll look at verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. And I'm sure it's on your screen there, but we'll read it. And all of us here in the congregation can read it together. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what, this spoke, what was spoken through the prophet. And say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them and Jesus sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. This particular scripture here and the title is Send Us Another Messiah. And we're going to look at that today and actually tell what happened at this particular time of history and the life of Jesus and those who surrounded him, but also in our own lives because it's very important. And as we think about it, all cultures, all races are celebrating this time uh, that the Jesus, it's called the triumphal entry. That God, Jesus came into Jerusalem at that time. Remember, everything that Jesus was doing fulfilled prophecy. It had already been spoken about in the Old Testament. It's wonderful the number of prophecies that were in the Old Testament that actually pointed to Jesus. And it's sort of a surprise in a way uh, of why the Jews missed him. And uh, they just said, well, you know, uh, he's not the way that we thought he would be. And therefore, we just uh, we don't want this Messiah. We'll talk about it in a minute. And so uh, the theological truths in this particular teaching and, and this particular situation as Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey uh, are immense. There are lots of certainly important facts about what was going on uh, in this situation. So we cannot fully understand certainly Good Friday or Easter Sunday or Ascension Sunday unless we grasp the significance of this day, Palm Sunday. And so what does, what does this day mean to us? Are you, are you thinking about, are you, are you excited about these things? You know, you talk about it. You know, we talk about Jesus, you know, every day. But when we talk about at this particular time, over 2,000 years ago, of what Jesus Christ did for us, it's just, uh, it thrills my soul. Oh, what a blessing to know him. And we sit here today and we could just thank him throughout eternity. The blessing that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. Jesus sitting on a donkey. You know, we can picture here the uh, crowds waving their palm branches, putting their cloaks, their coats down before him and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, it was exciting time that was happening. Jesus was coming in. Why? It's because the uh, crowd at that time, the Jewish people had anticipated the Messiah, one who would deliver him them from the hands. They felt that that uh, Jesus had come to deliver them from the hands of the Romans, the oppression there in their lives at that particular time. So they were excited. They were just, I mean, an uproar. Blessed is he who comes in the Lord. Think about it. You know, I thought about it in terms of after a Super Bowl, you know, some of the home teams will go in their town and, and they'll get on floats and all and go, and there'll be crowds of people all around those uh, floats that will, will travel down the city and all that. There'll be, uh, you know, confetti and all types of things that will be thrown and there'll be just that exciting type of atmosphere that will take place well i'm sure that this was happening at that this particular time as they uh were uh as jesus came into jerusalem but that soon changed things changed and what did they say crucify him crucify him so what happened why the change when they began to say crucify him after they basically in the same week, they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he turned around and said, crucify him. You know why? Real simply, it's because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. They had expectations that were not really simply just completely biblically based. They wanted out of the oppression 
They wanted out of the bondage from the Roman government, the, uh, the situation being ruled over. They wanted out of that. Jesus came with a different type of mission, certainly here. They didn't understand it. And so they said, crucify him. And they turned on him. So when we think about it, their, their uh, beliefs and expectations weren't completely unfounded. If you look at the Old Testament, we know there are many scriptures and throughout the old Old Testament is that, that God would raise up these people, certainly in the book of, jo, of Judges. He would raise up a leader that would come and actually come in and they would fight their enemies and they would be delivered from their enemies. And so they knew these particular stories. In Psalm 2, it, it says, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. And he said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And then he says, ask of me. And I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. And then the other scripture in Isaiah chapter 11, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. And he will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. So it wasn't completely unfounded on their expectations. Because they had seen these, these people come in and they would uh, lead a war to destroy the nations that had held Israel in bondage. And, and they saw that. But, but Jesus came with a different mission. So we think about that today. Is that he came with something else in mind. His mission was a spiritual mission. He, his mission was an eternal mission. And that was what was going on. And they didn't get that, but they had seen that. So obviously they weren't willing to make the adjustment, certainly, of what Jesus came for. They weren't willing to take a second look here and understand these things as Jesus preached. And certainly as he he went around doing good to people, healing the sick and opening the eyes of the blind and and obviously and, and, and delivering people who were demon possessed and so forth. Uh, it wasn't unreasonable, certainly here, that they expected this, but it was wrong. You see, when they failed the grass, was that the Messiah, on the path to His glory in heaven and victory, had to pass through suffering and death. And that's important to understand. They failed to take into account the Messianic prophecies such as this one, Isaiah 53. We know this one. But He was uh, pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken here. So we see here two strikingly different port portrait portraits of the Messiah because they obviously describe two different appearances of Christ. The first is took place 2000 years ago when Jesus came to suffer and die for the sins of the world. The second one was yet to come. It will be when Jesus Christ comes back as a mighty warrior, <laughs> as a mighty, as a lion of Judah, and he'll be roaring when he comes back. We're studying the book of Revelation now exactly what happened, what will happen during that time when Jesus comes back. But he came as a lamb, the lamb of God here, and he died for the, the sins of the world. There had to be a perfect, unblemished person, a lamb of God to be sacrificed. And he was the lamb of God. He was without sin. And yet, obviously, he took our sin upon him willingly, voluntarily. And yet one day he will come back as a roaring lion. He will come back 
to smite the nations, the, those that, that have rejected Him and ultimately have turned away from Him. And the wrath of God will be poured out. You know, a lot of times we talk about the forgiveness of Jesus. And yes, that is so important. And that is foundational. But we don't talk a lot about the wrath of God. There will be one day the wrath of God will be poured out for those who ultimately reject Him and turn away from Him. And certainly you can read again the book of Revelation and understand that more. And when these people saw that Christ would not fulfill their expectations of victory and deliverance there, uh, obviously they didn't want to hear anything of it. When they heard Pilate, when Jesus told Pilate, my, my kingdom is not of this world in John chapter 18, they rejected him. And they uh, obviously, uh, they had no use for this type of Messiah. They wanted another Messiah here. And so they didn't recognize the very presence of God in their midst. And the question could be for us today, do we recognize the presence of God in our midst? When things are going real smooth and we can really praise Him and worship Him, everything is going good, then obviously it's a lot easier to praise, right? But it's a little bit more difficult when things are not going our way or when things, when we're suffering or maybe going through some really difficult times, it is, it is really uh, very difficult at that, at that time. But obviously, we need to recognize that sometimes our expectations of Jesus are not exactly right. Cindy and I were talking about on the way here today. You know, you've seen answered prayer, but many times God doesn't answer our prayers the way we thought he would answer them, right? And God is a surprise. I heard a pastor years ago say, God is always a surprise. And he was saying a little song about that God is a surprise. We don't know that, but he's God. And we know that he wants the very best for us that He wants us to obviously be blessed through that, but it may mean that suffering is involved in that because we don't see the way He sees because Isaiah 55 says His ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're different. He thinks of He's different. He's God and we're not. And so He sent Jesus into the world. Can you imagine this particular plan from eternity past that God Almighty had on His heart? He knew what would happen. He knew that people would reject him. And so he had a plan to restore mankind to a relationship with him. To send his only begotten son into the world. To die, a sin, obviously sinless in his, his own life, but yet to take the sins of the world upon him. And you think, I wouldn't give my child up like that. I certainly, and I couldn't understand anybody else doing that. But that's what God did. Why? It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life here. Obviously, when things are not going our way, will we still continue to trust Him? Continue to follow Him no matter what and obey Him? Even when He allows trials, what? To persist. Because sometimes trials come along and we can sort of skirt through it when it's the first kind of barrage of trials. But when there's one trial after another, will we continue to trust Him? Or will we say, Lord, send me a different Messiah here. I don't like this one. I didn't sign up for this. You see, that's what they were saying at this time. Send us a different Messiah. He didn't meet our expectations, you see. And that's what we sometimes think, don't we? You know, we don't like these things, certainly. <clears throat> and God knows that. But He also knows when we finally come down to it, and when obviously that dust settles, so to speak, then we have to come back and say, God, have Thine own way in my life. And have You, because You know better than I do here. But understanding this, a triumphal entry into Jerusalem requires more than just knowing what, you know, what it was not. The crowds saw a prelude for a riot. 
In fact, eventually we know that uh, the, they, there was a riot that took place and eventually, obviously, the temple was burned eventually and so forth. All these types of things, thinking about it. If you think about our life and our relationship with the Lord, the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Do you know the fullness of what that really means? It means that we, we don't look at our circumstances and say that's the end result. We walk by faith in a God who's able to do things in our lives. And even the impossible is possible with God. There's a song out now. Even the impossible is possible with God. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. But we hit catastrophes there and, and we go forward and we think we have some perception or maybe expectations in life that life should be this way or that way. And I don't know about you, life doesn't always turn out the way I thought it would be. In fact, sometimes there's even more of a struggle. And if you face some real health challenges or financial problems or job problems or whatever it may be, I want to tell you, it doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would be. I'll share a short story here with you that has always touched my heart. And it's a story that y'all may have heard me speak of before. And that is the story of the five missionaries that went down to Ecuador to uh, share Christianity with the people, the indigenous people that were in the jungle. <clears throat> now in the jungle down there, it's a very ferocious place. The snakes are, are big as you can imagine. Monkeys will eat you up in a heartbeat. The mosquitoes probably are as big as horse flies. I mean, it is a treacherous place. So but these five missionaries, one of them was Jim Elliott, and Nate Saint was the other one, and there were three other men. And they went down there. They felt a call in college to go down and to present Christianity to these indigenous people down there. So they flew into Ecuador and uh, went down to uh, the, co the down around the edge of the Amazon and went into the Amazon. They had a plane. And what they first of all did was take gifts into the people there in the jungle. And it's thick and it's tough. And I'll share with you because I have experience with that. Is that they would fly over and they would circle around and the, the, uh, the gifts would be on a line down to the people. And the people would uh, take the gifts. They were befriending the people. You had to befriend people before you come in and begin to share the gospel. And that's true in any of our lives. You got to get to know people. People, if you just walk up to them, do you know Jesus? Sometimes you can do that. But a lot of times it takes getting to know someone and then you can share their faith. And so they would land and so forth and, and share and, and share their lives with these people that were completely obviously in that, had no of the conveniences that were in the world at that particular time. And it was in the 50s, 1950s. And so one particular time, there was a, uh, a young lady, and, and this was the indigenous person, and also her boyfriend that were there. And the parents evidently did not like the fact that they weren't being chaperones. Somehow they got away from their chaperones, and they came back, and they were going to be disciplined. And the young man, who was the boyfriend of the girl, the indigenous people there in the jungle, he lied and said the missionaries had done something that and wrong. And so what they did was, is that they gathered together the tribes and actually went in and martyred and speared all five of the missionaries and killed them. And so I think about this, and I was kind of reflecting upon that when I put this together, and that is Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and those three other men never expected the very fact that they would be martyred in the, in the jungle there. They had great expectations. 
that maybe a revival would take place in that jungle. That people would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because they were strong Christians and they were missionaries. And that was their whole thrust was to go into the jungle. They had expectations that we're going to see great results here by going into that jungle. And here, before they even got, uh, got going good, in 1956 was when they were martyred. But yet, what happened after that was is that there was some, some uh, planting of the seeds of the gospel and people began to come to Christ. Other missionaries came, went down there and began to present Christ to them. And a certain portion of those people living in the jungle came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it didn't happen before these men died. But they were living with an expectancy that, that something good was going to happen here. And it didn't happen in their lifetime. It happened after they went home to be with the Lord. It is the same way with us. You believe today that you haven't seen the results of your labor. You believe today somehow the things that you've done, you know, really don't matter. And they really have had no influence upon anybody's life. And you know what? You don't know what history will say about with fragrance, the, the, the legacy that you live, certainly. And you know, obviously, I, I've been down to Ecuador. I've, I've flown over the jungle. And uh, me and four other men, uh, we went in to actually to to deliver uh, medical supplies with a doctor friend of mine in Quito. We went down there and then some other friends and uh, and we were going to fly in and land. And the purpose of the trip was to deliver Tylenol, children's Tylenol, which they don't have down there and other types of medical supplies. They don't have anything. They're primitive in that. And also to get down on a grass landing strip and go in and actually do a baptism service of people down there in the jungle because people had accepted Christ. You see the legacy there that those men left, you see. But you see the Messiah that they had sort of expectations of was not exactly the one maybe that they thought. But you see, the wonderful thing about it, these men knew there was potential for them to lose their lives. But they were willing to give their lives for the gospel, for Jesus Christ. And let me read to you. Jim Elliott says this, and maybe we can also clue in on what this actually means because this is powerful. He says this, God always gives His best to those who leave the choice to Him. God always gives His best to those who leave the choice to Him. The second quote is, He is no fool who gives what He cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see. Give us another Messiah. He's not the one we wanted. You see, the wonderful thing about it is in the life of a believer. Is that obviously our lives have been bought with a price. The precious blood of the lamb. He gave his all for us. And when life doesn't turn out the way we thought, certainly the same way that the Jewish people at this time, you know, in our heart, we would never say it, but maybe we say, man, I, uh, this is tough. Isn't there a better way? When Jesus was going to, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we talked about in Sunday school today. He was straining and he actually sweated drops of blood, which medically they say, when you're under such tension and such obviously bearing up, such a burden it, that actually can happen medically, they say that can happen. 
And he said this. And he said, Father, is there any other way? And then he came back and he said, but not my will be done, but your will be done. We can be in the crucible of life sometimes. And we feel like that handle is being cranked and somehow our lives are being crushed in there. And, and we, you know, sometimes may say, Father, is there any other way? And then we come back because of the grace of God and His power in our lives and say, but not my will, but your will be done. We've got to be willing to understand this because see, we too may say, I want somebody different than this. this life is just tough, you see. But you see, along with that, in the midst of that, I just believe you can can thrive, not just survive. Because sometimes, you know, we just feel like we're treading water, don't we? And yet God said, no, I, I put you in that race to thrive and not just to tread water. I've called you to give you abundant life. To give you life and give you abundant life. John chapter 10. That's the blessing of knowing, you see. Even these people at this time, they didn't understand it. But you see how... Obviously, the providence of God is working, how he's orchestrating things each and every day in your life and my life. I don't know if you've ever seen just you. Went, wow, that's what how'd that happen. And somehow God works it as as the great, the one who's there. So he's sort of just moving like in a way, maybe a chessboard, as you may think of it. He's moving things into place to bless us, to touch us. But it doesn't mean we won't suffer. It doesn't mean that we won't face hard times. It doesn't read the whole New Testament. It's a testimony. It won't. It's going to be. It's going to be tough. We're in a war between the enemy of our souls and the flesh and the world. All three are tugging for us to be tugged away from what God has for us and the, good, the best. Sometimes we have the good stuff. And God said, but I want to give you the best. And that is walking with Him in intimacy. So, you think about it here. Obviously, all of this represented not just uh, a government falling, because government empires come and go. They rise and fall, don't they? Jesus was talking about something eternal, something much greater. The defeat of Satan and his kingdom. And it meant that the power of sin and death would soon be broken forever. And when Christ rode into Jerusalem, it also anticipated that it would take place after the resurrection, his victorious ascension and entry into heaven. His enthronement there. At the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. Romans chapter 8 talks about it here. You see, all of this was pointing to the future there. They had their eyes upon the immediate. You remember, we've talked about the fact, get your eyes off of what's happening right now. Get your eyes on eternity. Get your eyes on what Jesus, God Almighty is doing in your life to make you more like Jesus. And that's what, but sometimes it's hot. You know, we're obviously he is the potter and we're the clay and he's molding us, making us the way we want sometimes. And then he puts us into the, uh, the fire. And sometimes it's like, wow, you know, this is hot in here. But he says, I've got a, I've got a plan for you. And it's to make you more like Jesus. The love like Jesus, his love through us anyway, certainly. To be able to go out and share the love of Christ with other people who have no hope. A lot of people today, we're seeing, have no hope. And what's happening? The suicide rate is going off the charts from what I'm hearing. Because of COVID and for other reasons, they can't get with their families like they have been able to. There's been all this stuff going on. The emotional strain, certainly there. The, the mental illnesses that are taking place because of what's happening in our society today. And we have the answer. We have the hope that's in our lives. And that is Lord Jesus Christ. 
To be able to share that good news with Jesus. What a privilege that is, you see. What does it all mean here? There, Jesus Christ broke the power of Satan and he rendered his authority over us null and void. Think about it. You see, when we sin, we choose a sin. It's free will that we say no. But you see, because that power of Satan was broken over our lives and all who believe, that we can say no to sin. We make a choice if we do. And He has no authority over us. His authority has been broken. We have the authority that Jesus Christ has delegated to us. It's not ours. It's Jesus's. You see, because that power of Satan was broken, we don't have to live as the world lives. We can live a different way. We can live for Jesus and God Almighty. In Hebrews, it says, chapter 2, since the children have, have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, Satan, the devil, and free those who all of their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You know, until that, you have a fear of death. We don't have the fear of death because we're children of God. We don't. And you see that authority, uh, Satan, because he was thrown down to earth there, and obviously he takes people captive. Jesus came and broke all that stuff. Hallelujah. He broke off. Of, I can live for the Lord God Almighty. Will I stumble and fall? Yes. First John, uh, First John chapter 1 talks about that. But I can confess. I can get back up again. But it has no power. And it has no power that I don't give it to Him. The only way. That's the only way. He has no authority. That means that I can live for the Lord forevermore here. So you say, why does evil seem to triumph? You see, right now, God is allowing the enemy to do certain things, giving people free will. One day that's going to change. One day when we look at the end of the age, before Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom, that's going to change. But right now, the enemy does these particular things. Why? It's because God gives every person a free choice, free will. We make those free choices every day. We choose them for God, the good, the encouraging, the blessing, or we can curse people and the bad and so forth. And so God is saying today all of this stuff is going to take place till we resurrect it and be, we're with Christ forever and ever. And so Christ is reigning over all the earth right now. But he is permitting Satan uh, to, to do evil here on this earth. God says he'll turn all things for the good of those who are call, called according to his purpose. He'll turn everything around. He says everything in, in our lives. You think he blew it? God can turn it around somehow. How he does that, that's his business. But he said he would, and I believe it. And so there are many things that Satan can't do. First of all, if you're a believer in here today or you're a believer watching this live stream, you can't lose your salvation. If you really believe Jesus, I'm not just talking about intellectually. The, in, the devil knows Jesus, okay? But he's not saved. I'm talking about people who have given your life to Jesus Christ today. He can't take your salvation away. He can't steal your faith away from you. He can't do those. That power and authority was broken. All those things we have here, he cannot do, obviously. Even when the, when the trials get severe, even when everything is breaking loose around us, he cannot do that. Listen to 1 Corinthians. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you may stand up under it. 
And all these things, you're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He'll tell you today. You know, when you stumble and fall, what's he do? He'll come and whisper in your ear, you're not saved. You're not saved. And you go, I, my heart, you know, I, I fell. Lord, I confess this to you. I come, I did it. You see, confession is just, I did it. I did it. Lord, forgive me. And then get up and move on. The enemy wants you somehow to be drugged down because he comes and he can't take your salvation away. You cannot lose your salvation. Simply because somehow you know you'll stumble through life. We're still in this world, but we have an advocate that forgives us of our sins. Obviously, as much of a struggle as it may be for us sometimes to trust and obey, and as much as Satan would like to destroy our faith and snatch us out of God's grasp, he can't do it. He can't take us out of the Father. That's a wonderful thing. His power was broken at the cross. The question is then, given that Satan has no power over us, and given that we have no obligation to obey him, what is it? What are we going to do? Make the choice to serve the Lord. Make the choice to follow and get into his word. Find out what he wants. He'll show you. He's very, very gracious. And he's so, so good, right? And he's so, so kind. He does that if we allow him to. Romans chapter 6 this says this, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Give him your mind. Give him all of you, Lord. You know, I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto the Lord, my spiritual act of worship. Take all of me, Lord. I offer it. You gave your all. I give my all to you here. In other words, Paul is telling us, don't act as if Satan still has some type of power over us. Don't give him that particular right or, or thrill to keep you under his power here. Don't think it. Don't speak or act if this sin were still your master. Instead, use your freedom to obey God. Make a free choice to give yourself wholly and completely to Christ. And remember that your freedom to follow God was purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb. This is a special time of the year, isn't it? Jewish people at that time said, send us a different Messiah than this one. We don't like this one. You know, we had expectations and we didn't, you didn't meet my expectations. And what we do is we sometimes fashion our own Messiah the way we think he should be. Well, he should do this. He should do that. And when it doesn't work out the way that we think it should, then sometimes I want a different one. I want somebody else. I don't like this one. That's what they were saying. Send us a different, a different Messiah. During the Civil War, y'all know the, the proclamation, uh, emancip emancipation proclamation there, freeing the slaves. Uh, we know there, uh, many of them after that, the slaves were free. But many of them continued to serve their masters because they didn't know they were free. They continued on in that. And you see, that's the way we are too. Today, you're free. If you're saved today, you're free from, from the terror and the hold of sin. Now, we may stumble, but we say, no, I'm free. And sometimes you need to just go back and, and confess that and, and pronounce, declare that. I'm free from this stuff. 
I'm free. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's somehow something that continue entra- continues to entrap you. Whatever it may be. No, I'm free from this because the Bible says I am. Jesus paid the price for this. Whatever it may be, I don't have to do that. You see, that's what it's actually saying here. The wonderful blessing in knowing. Just like those people who went to uh, the jungles of Ecuador. Is that they thought they were going down there. Those men actually knew that they may not come back, I'm sure. Because they knew about martyrdom. And yet, as a result of those five going in, and there had been missionary work there in the jungle before this time. But certainly, uh, one of the great things is because of those who went into the jungle, a lot of those people there, the tribes people, are saved now. And they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. That's the way it is with us, folks. Is knowing that what the leggy, you know, the Bible just says, you know, you spread the fragrance of Jesus. And that's the question today. Are, are we leaving the fragrance of Jesus? Are we leaving that? Are we leaving the fragrance of the world? The world's fragrance stinks, right? It's bad cologne. But the fragrance of Jesus is a sweet smelling fragrance. Are you kind to people when they, you know, when you, Obviously, they they hit you on one side, so to speak, maybe emotionally. And then you come back and they hit you on the other side, turn the other cheek. Are you kind? Do you respond in kindness? Or do you respond with your balled up fist and say, man, if I can get you, you know, I'm going to get you back and so forth. What does Jesus tell us to do? Turn the other cheek. It's something that obviously takes, obviously, the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about it in the past. But to know today that, that, that our lives obviously are probably doing more than what we really realize. We're just not here to take up space. Anybody know that? We're not here to just take up space. We're here to make a difference in this world. We're here to obviously show and model who Jesus Christ was. To love people. The world is going to chew them up and spit them out. But Jesus came to give us life. And give it to us more abundantly. We went down there, Ecuador, off side note, and we flew over the uh, the jungle. And you remember the story. Um, there were five of us in there, and that was including the pilot. And uh, we couldn't get in because there were clouds over the place where we wanted, he was circling. He circled, tried to get under the clouds because it was it was a grass landing strip and it was a small, just five-seater uh, plane. And we had the medical supplies. We were going to, again, uh, do a baptism service there. People accepted Christ, some of the, uh, tri- the people there, the jungle people. And we had to come back. But when we came back, we actually went in the home that was built where uh, the wives of the martyred missionaries came when they heard that their their husband had been killed. And I walked on that, uh, in that area and in that home, and it was almost like hallowed ground of what happened. Always in my heart, it always seemed that particular uh, thrust of missionary work that went in because I was familiar with it. And, and I read it, obviously. It was in the old, some of you may remember... Uh, the old Life magazine, remember way back then? It was actually 
uh, articles in there. So you're looking at the middle 50s, 1950, 19, they died and were killed in 1956. And we walked around in there and I thought, Lord, is my life counting for you? Is my life really obviously going to leave a fragrance and leave a legacy that obviously will honor you? Will bring glory and honor to you and to you alone? Is that my life today? And I guess it's a question we all ask, don't we? You know, being younger, you're just blowing and going through life and everything. But as you get older, you begin to reflect on these things, don't you? You begin to look back and you do what's called a life review. You begin to look and I was standing there because these men did that. They, they made a difference in the kingdom of God. They didn't get to see it, did they? And it's the same for us today. We may not be able to get fully to see it. But are we remaining steadfast? Are we remaining faithful to our call? To what God has called us to? Jesus obviously was rejected when he came. And I believe emotionally that was most disturbing. He had the nails and the spikes through his hands and his feet certainly there. He died as he, he crumpled down and he suffocated basically is what happened too. Did he see the fullness of that? No, he didn't. But he back, basically, you remember if I've said, Jesus <clears throat> was eating with his disciples and his disciples were, were eating and, and Jesus wasn't eating. And they said, Jesus, aren't you going to eat any food? Remember what he said? My food is to do the will of the Father. Is that our food also? To do the Father's will? Are we living to please Him as Jesus did? That's what we're called to do. Are we just living for ourselves and hopefully we'll have the most toys when we leave this place? We do have a lot of toys, don't we? We do. The world presents it. And what it does is tug our hearts away from what's really important and what is eternal. It's just temporary. Jesus came to give us eternal life. Life forevermore. So that triumphal entry there into Jerusalem that took place was very important. The people, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all of a sudden, bam, crucify him, crucify him. You're not what we expected. And we don't want to have anything to do with it. That can happen to anybody, not just over 2,000 years ago. Our God comes and says, will you give him your life? And that's the question today. If you've given him your life, and maybe today would be today, as you said, Lord, I just lay my life bare before you. And maybe those of you today who are watching this by live streaming are saying, I, I just lay my life before you, Jesus. I, I've run my own life in the past, and I'm weary, and I'm tired. And I want you to come and get behind the wheel of my, of my life and direct me. I need you to do that today. Let's bow for prayer. If there be anyone here that's watching this today or here in this place that's never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never done it. Today may be the day that you just say, ah, come into my life, Lord Jesus. This time of Holy Week, and leading up to the resurrection, the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ, as something really powerful the Holy Spirit does. And my heart is just burning for you, Lord. If you've never, ever given your heart to Jesus Christ, I would just encourage you today, open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Savior of the world. I believe you came and you died for my sins. 
And right now, I ask you to come into my life and save me. Come into my life and and be my Lord and Savior today. I give you my all. I lay my life before you today. And I'm not going to pick it back up. I'm going to lay my life down. I want to know you. I want to, to live eternity with you because eternity is eternity. If there be anyone that's watching this or in this place today, you can talk to me. Anything. Talk to them, call, whatever that we need to do to make sure that that. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Confession. You need to confess Jesus. You need to confess it before people that I just made a decision for Jesus Christ. And that's true here today. If somebody here has made a decision for Jesus Christ today, I need you need to confess it. You need to settle it and confess it. And anybody watching this on this live stream, you need to go to a church or whatever, get in a church and, and make the confession that you've made a decision to invite Jesus Christ in your life. Make that confession before all of mankind. You will. And let me tell you, when you do that, you'll be set free. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Jesus didn't have to come and lay his life down for our sins, our all of our mess, but he did. And we're grateful. We'll be, we'll be thankful for throughout eternity. And we pray, Father, today that he would be exalted, he would be glorified. Lord, and the things that we don't understand everything about our walk with you, but you're teaching us and we're willing to learn. So, Lord, if there be anybody watching this today, tell them, I pray you get in a church or you confess anybody here today. Confess it before of the people that I've made Jesus Christ my Savior, my Lord. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you. I pray millions of people will get saved over this holy week. And as we approach here, the resurrection, Easter time, Lord, we pray that people would say it's more than just about a bunny. It's about Jesus. And we get our eyes on Him, Lord. And there would be millions of people all over this world would receive Jesus Christ. And Lord, a spark a power of revival and awakening would take place across this land. We thank you and we praise you. And we give you the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all for watching. And we pray you'll be back with us next week. And uh, we'll have a, a resurrection message next week. Uh, it's powerful. I'm, thank you for, for tuning in with us. I pray that God would bless you this week. God bless you. And that he would send you forth because I believe the fields are ripe for harvest. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.